0: You're listening to a recent sermon from Covenant Church. For more information or other sermons like this one, you can find us at covenantchurchonline.com. And now, with a message from our latest series, The King, here is our pastor, Travis Davenport. Today we're starting, as I said, our new uh, series entitled The King. And I've been excited to preach this for a little while. And uh, I knew we were kind of taking a little bit of a risk, starting it on Labor Day weekend because, you know, nobody shows up to church on Labor Day weekend, but uh, apparently people do. So we're excited about that. So thank you again for joining us today. All right. We're going to jump right into it. Now, I don't know if you remember or not. I don't know if you were paying attention or not. um, But earlier this year, it, it, it seemed like, I don't know, for about nine months or so, really, that you could not turn on the news um, you could not turn on any, really any kind of TV channel without um, getting overloaded about this future king. Do you know what I'm talking about? The royal baby. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It started like a little while ago, and it was like everywhere you turn, like on the news, in line at Kroger or Walmart or Meyer. like it was just all about this, this, this new baby that was going to be born to Prince William And uh, Kate Middleton, remember that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Am I the only one? Yeah, no? Okay, you're like, you watch E Channel? Okay, sorry. It was like uh, every second, no, no, it was like every second of the day, um, every second of their pregnancy was documented in like headlining news. Like it was crazy. Kate Middleton is beginning to sport a royal bump, right? That was like headlines. Okay, great, fantastic, or, or what does the scandalous Prince Harry think of the, his nephew who will to take power over him in the throne? And we're like, what? You know what I mean? Or, or uh, you know, I think, think one might have been like this. Maybe I made it up, I don't know. Today, the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, was seen purchasing Oreos. Will this new junk food obsession be the downfall of the royal lineage of England? Stay tuned, we'll find out, right? Like, we saw that for nine months, and, and, and to be honest with you, um, like, I don't understand why that's news. Like, am I alone? Like, I live in America. Like, even, maybe, maybe I can even say it like this I live in America. America, right? I mean, when, when people say I live in America, you don't even have to be in a church to get an amen. You just walk down the road, you're like, America. People are like, Amen, brother. You're like, We're having church out here, like, at the barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Like, I live in America. And, and it's bad enough, to be honest. Can I just vent? for a minute. Is that okay? Um, you clap when I've been. All right, that's good. You need to come to my house. I don't get claps when I've been at my house. <laughs> I get slaps, not not claps. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just got to be honest, it's, it's bad enough that I have to hear, like, well, well like, when I watch the news, I got to hear a lot, like, about Kim and Kanye's baby. Like, I don't care. I just, I don't care. Uh, it's bad enough that I that I got to hear about, like, the you know, like the newest um, member to be adopted to Brangelina's tribe. I don't, I don't, I don't care. But at least I can get behind that because they're like from America, right? America. I, I, I'm pretty sure that our forefathers um, left England, sailed halfway around the world, discovered a new land, suffered through an Ohio winter <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to be subjected <laughs> to the torture of hearing about a new royal baby um, all the time. And, and it's crazy, like, the, the day that the baby was born, do you remember that day? Like, you would have thought, you, you would have thought that we discovered life on Mars, <laughs> literally. And, and what's funny is I actually think that we had our Mars, um, you know, robotic thing, land. And so here's like this incredible achievement of mankind, we, we, we had like this Mars rover that, that landed and we could control it, it had an arm, you know what I mean? It would go down and pick up rocks and examine it and put it back, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's amazing. It was streaming live video from like 25 trillion light years away or wherever Mars is, I don't know. And, and that comes up on the news like, uh, headlining news, the Mars rover has landed, more on that later, because the royal baby's here. It's like, what? Are you serious? Like, going all Oprah on me. It's crazy. You got Matt Lauer and Al Roker giving you the royal birth play-by-play on Good Morning America? It was, I don't understand it. I literally, I don't understand it. Why, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. There's not really much more to say. I just don't understand it. I, I wonder, though, I wonder if part of the reason we're so fascinated with this royal baby, I think his name's George, um, if we're so fascinated with um, With. With boy George is because that, that was unintended. <laughs> Baby boy George. Um, I wonder if the reason we're so obsessed with it is because the idea of a king to us as Americans, as Americans, is really quite foreign to us. I mean, literally foreign to us. And it is, it is fascinating, though, isn't it? It is a little bit fascinating. Um, the, the idea of, of, a, of a king. But the truth is, we are we're so far from removed. We're so removed from even beginning to understand what it means um, to have a king, or what a king actually means um, at, at all, or what a king does, what a king is. We're really removed from that as Americans. Because when, when we as Americans think of, of a king, we that's normally shaped by like Walt Disney, or, 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 or maybe Um, You know fairy tales that we've heard growing up. And so basically, when you talk about a king to to most Americans, they they might think of a short, little, kind of plump, older guy, the beard, who's who's tired and who's running around doing a bunch of things. Um, He's usually got two sons, right, the king. One is good, uh, one is handsome, one is heroic, one is always like riding a a horse um, around the kingdom, just doing good things. He's always friends with all the poor people and and uh, he's on a mission saving, you know, some underprivileged, beautiful blonde woman. You know, that's like, always looking for a princess. But then also there's the second son who's always like a little satanic, you know what I mean? Like he's in leagues with like the evil creepy wizard who's always trying to like come up with the potion and always trying. This is kind of what we think about when we think of, of, of a king. And... and so it's, it's funny how we augment reality. I don't think that any of that stuff is really happening over in England. Maybe it is. I don't really know. But I, it's funny how we augment reality. But today, as we begin this new series entitled The King, um, and of course, as I mentioned, we are speaking about the one and only true king, Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah? Um, you know, the funny thing is, just as much as we've augmented the reality of what a king is across the pond... We also have, over time, augmented our understanding of Jesus Christ as king as well in our own land, in our own nation, in our own world. Let me tell you what I mean. I've not spoken about this before to some extent, but when, when I ask you to think about Jesus, what is the first thing that comes to mind? If I were right now, in fact, let's do an experiment. Just close your eyes real quick. Just close your eyes real quick. And, and I want you to picture Jesus Christ, what is, you can open them, what is the first thing that enters your mind? Well, if you're like most people, it's probably an image of a frail, pale, white, blue-eyed man who resembles the lead singer from Nickelback or something (laughs) before he got his ears tucked in. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, that's probably, like, who, who uh, or his hair cut off. That's probably who, it reminds you, maybe the lead singer of Creed. And, and he's probably, th- this picture that you have of Jesus, he's probably carrying, like, a random sheep. Right? Am I right? He's carrying, like, a lamb. And, and maybe, in the other hand, he has, like, a staff. Uh, of course, he's wearing a robe. And, uh, uh, of course, um, you know, on that robe is a, is a big purple beauty queen sash. You know what I mean? Like, one of those big things, like, what is that for? I don't know. Like. But that's, of course, that's what our, our picture is of him. And, and of course, um, he speaks in, 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 in soft and, and very hushed um, tones with a little bit of an English accent. Because that's how we like our Jesus. Very proper, right? We don't want him to offend people. Now, now you laugh. Now you laugh because it it's funny. It's ridiculous, actually. But the fact of the matter is, this is what most people think of when they think of Jesus. You know that? This is what most people think of when they think of Jesus. We think of Jesus as as soft and, and gentle. We think of Jesus as all warm and snuggly. We think of Jesus as just floating from place to place, like no need for Jesus to walk. He just glides, right? Like he just glides, and hey, guys, he just glides into a situation, right? If you were to hug Jesus, it would probably be like hugging a cloud, right? Now, can I ask you a question in all seriousness? Why is it that when we think of Jesus, the first thing that enters our minds is the furthest thing from masculinity? Why? Now, it's been all happy and fun and funny up to this point, but this is a serious point. Now, why is it that when we think about Jesus Christ, the man who suffered, bled, died, and rose again... It's the furthest thing from masculinity for us. Why? Interesting. Interesting thought. Why is it when we think of Jesus, we think of a hippie rather than a hero? Why is it that when we think of Jesus, we don't see him the way that Scripture defines him? Because clearly, Scripture defines him as a king. Amen? Amen? I should get some... I should get some stronger, amen, just, just for, your, for the record, I know it's Labor Day, and we're all going to have some barbecue tomorrow, and, and do our thing down at the lake, but today, like, you're on my time, okay, and so, in this house, we're alive, we're living, um, quiet things are like dead things, are we a dead church? No, we're alive, we're living, we're passionate, we're excited about this king, who's going to come back, want to make some noise, that he hears us, and recognizes that we are here, So when I ask you a question about Jesus, the king, I want to hear it. Because scripture defines him as a king. Amen? Amen. That's right. Ooh, ooh, yeah, there we go. Been teaching it for a little while. You're getting it. And not just a king. Not just a king. Scripture defines him as what? The king. Now it's one thing to be a great basketball player. It's another thing to be the great basketball player. It's one thing to be a great artist. It's another thing to be the great artist. It's one thing to be called a king. It's another thing to be called the king. And listen to this passage in Revelation 19 again. I don't think I I could just stand up here and just read it over and over. And keep this in mind. This is scripture describing Jesus, quite literally describing Jesus This is not metaphorical. This is not anything except a description of Jesus the king. You ready? Revelation 19, starting verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Pause real quick. This is scripture describing when Jesus Christ comes back, when the king returns, when we are called, after we've been called to heaven, and now, now the world has come to fight God. You follow me? This is an end day description of when Jesus shows back up on, this, on the scene in the world. Jesus enters, like, out of the sky, riding this horse. His eyes are on fire. This is Jesus, who you formerly thought was a hippie. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. I love that, strike down. You know, beating around the bush with that. To hurt a little bit. To push them back. No, to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now let me ask you a question, church. Does this sound like the play it's safe? Don't want to step on anybody's toes. Let's all hold hands, eat lollipops, and sing kumbaya together, Jesus Christ, that you've been fed your whole life. And you come by it honestly. I mean, some of us are church kids, and if you're a church kid, you remember being in nursery, right? You, you remember like being, you know, um, rocked to sleep with, um, you know, in the church nursery by, by, by someone who was gracious enough to work back in the children's ministry. And if you look to your left, you see a wallpaper probably, pictures of Jesus kneeling down and holding children, Right? Or maybe you saw painted on the walls pictures of of the the Jesus who looks like he's literally from Columbus, Ohio, right? He's, you know, he's like literally, he's downtown Grove City, born and raised Jesus, you know what I mean? (laughs) It looks like he's got a beautiful beard. I mean, he's got like a beard that men envy, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. He's got blue eyes. In fact, he has like piercing blue eyes. He's got those blue eyes that you're like, whoa, like you and Jared Leto, like you guys have the dreamiest eyes, you know what I mean? Like where do we get that picture of Jesus? Scripture completely decimates that that picture. No, this sounds like an all-powerful, all-knowing, supreme ruler of the universe. See the difference? A king that nations bow down to. A God that men willingly give their lives for. Not convinced? Okay. Let's do some more. How about this? This is all I'm doing today, by the way, okay? This is all I'm doing Today. 1 Timothy chapter 6 describes Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the blessed and only sovereign one who alone has immortality and who alone dwells in unapproachable light and who alone has eternal dominion. Unapproachable light. Let me break that down for you. What that basically means is this Jesus is brighter than the sun. You can't even approach Jesus Christ unless he allows you access. See, you've thought for a long time, like, well, yeah, when I die and I have to give an account for my life, someday I'll stand before Jesus, I'm just going to walk up to him and just explain him a couple things. <laughs> now, you, you can't even approach Jesus because our king is surrounded by unapproachable light. You, you can't even be in his presence, let alone the, the millions and millions and millions of angels from heaven that surround him and fight for him. Let alone that his eyes are glowing fire and that he has a sword of truth. Jesus, the King. Ephesians 1 tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? and placed Him as King over the earth, seated on His heavenly throne, and has given Him immeasurable power and immeasurable greatness, far above all other rule and authority. I love Scripture. I love that it's very specific. It doesn't say that God gave Him power and authority. It says that it gave Him immeasurable power and immeasurable greatness, far above all of the rule and authority. It goes on to say that, that God put everything beneath, under Jesus' feet, And made Jesus the head of all things. All things. Everything is under Jesus' feet. And he is the head of all things. Philippians chapter 2, you wanna hear another? Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, you're gonna get it. God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, and here it is, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And I love what it says here. Look at here. If you look at uh, Philippians 2, 9 uh, through 11, it says, so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Now look at this. In heaven, on earth, and then it goes on to say what? And under the earth. What does that mean? In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess on heaven, on earth, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. It basically means this, that when Scripture tells us that God raised up Jesus from the dead, put him in his throne, and put him over everything, that includes sin and Satan and evil. The ridiculousness of, 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 of this idea that, that we think that our King Jesus Christ is, is in this eternal um, arm Uh, wrestling match with Satan. Have you seen those pictures before? You think they're inspiring? There's Jesus, there's Satan, and there's the world in the middle, and they're duking out and they're wrestling. They're arm wrestling, and some days Jesus is powerful, but but other days there's just so much on his plate that it's very difficult, and Satan seems... There's no arm wrestling match going on. Do you realize that? Jesus Christ has put everything under his feet in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Evil has to come to Jesus to ask if it can continue to be evil. You understand that, right? You and me, the three of us, we understand that. That's exciting. Can I get a what? Yeah. What? what? It's exciting. It is. It is exciting. The fact that this king is over everything. He rules and reigns supreme over everything. Every tongue. Will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is the King. Amen. I know I'm on another level today. I'm just excited about it. I'm just excited that the fact about the fact that I get to serve this king. I'm just excited about the fact that this king knows my name. This king who 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 rules and reigns over everything knows knows my name. Ridiculous. He knows your name. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is the king. Scripture is very clear on that. And I'm not talking about a metaphorical king who is more of a nod to the way things used to be in a different day, and a different time, who shows up to, to sign things and smile on the news. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a very real, literal king. I'm saying to you that Jesus has been the king. I'm telling you that Jesus is currently ruling and reigning as the king and i'm telling you that all eternity for all eternity he will continue to be the king amen i mean this is why we're here this is why we're born this is why we live this is why we have purpose to bring glory to our king and this is the king king jesus that we're speaking of today amen yes jesus is the eternal king whose rule and reign is forever whose throne can never be compromised. A King who has been lifted up and put all things under His feet. Jesus is the King of righteousness and the King of holiness. He is set apart. There has never been anyone like Him, nor will there ever be anyone like Him. Jesus is the king of all creation, the king of glory. The heavens declare the name of Jesus Christ. The heavens declare him to be royalty. The, the earth bows down at his feet to his command. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, even the rocks cry out the praise of Jesus Christ. Am I speaking to you this morning? Jesus is the sovereign king. He is free to do as he pleases. He cannot and has not and will not ever be restrained or constrained by the mind or hand of man. Never, ever, ever will he be constrained by the actions and attitudes of man. Jesus is a providential king. Everything that happens, happens because our king allows it to happen. Nothing surprises our king. Nothing catches Jesus off guard. Didn't see that one coming. Wow. No. Nothing surprises him. He is all-knowing. He is, he is all-being. He is all-powerful. He is supreme. (laughs) This is our God. And that's because our King's life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. And His grace is sufficient for all your needs. His love never changes, His stance never wavers. His word is enough. Our king is is incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. And this is why we call Jesus Christ the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know. It's a little difficult to understand. I get it. It is. Because in our day and age, we, we don't think about a king. Or maybe we do now, but we didn't used to think about a king in our government. We, we, we... We've never we we never have. Uh, George Washington was offered the opportunity to become the first king of America. Do you know that? He actually was given the opportunity. They said, "You're such a great president. Why don't you just become the king?" And he says, "No. No, I don't. I don't want to be the king." And he actually says, "There is only one king, Jesus Christ." Think about that. So so get this. By the way, just side note, and we can talk about this for a long time. <laughs> Our nation wasn't just founded on godly principles. You know that, right? It was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Big difference. When you have a president saying, no, 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 I'm not going to be a king. There is only one king, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's not just godly principles. That's a gospel. That's a message for a different time, probably in a different place. Now, now we, we are ruled by democracy for the most part. And um, democracy is something that... that that is a beautiful thing. There's a lot of freedom involved in that. We, we are free to elect who we choose to elect. Um, if we don't like them, if enough people don't like that person, then we can actually impeach that, that individual for gro- you know, if there's grounds for impeachment. Um, we have elected officials, state, local, you know, all those different things, and, and that's democracy. But, but that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons we don't understand what it means to be ruled by a king. Because a king is not a democracy. You know that? king is, it's a monarchy. A king rules, a king reigns, what the king says goes, everything relies on the king. Justice relies on your king. Protection relies on your king. Peace relies on your king. Mercy relies on your king. Even the law relies on your king. A, ju- a king is justified in what he says and does simply by the fact that he is the king. And so you have many kings throughout history who who have done a good job being king, and, and a lot of kings, many, many kings who've done a very poor job of ruling individuals because they've chosen to rule with an iron fist. Kings throughout history who have chosen to rule people using fear. Uh, kings who have decimated entire people groups just because, simply because they didn't like them. Um, and all they had to do was say, I'm the king, and what I says and what I say goes. I'm the king. Oh, you want a reason? It's because I'm the king. That's why. That's why I'm telling you to, to set that village on fire. That's why I'm telling you to chop that guy's head off. Because I'm the king. That's it. There is no higher law. What I say goes. Jesus is called the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and out of all the kings that have ever been, he, he is the only one who justifiably could have just ruled from heaven and just stayed there and killed everybody that didn't follow his commands. He's, he's really the only one. Why? Because he created us. He justifiably could have said, like, you're not doing what I told you to do. Um, you're dead, right? <laughs> he, he could have done that. He just could have, like, squashed us. Uh, he could have ruled from heaven and just killed everyone who chose not to fall. But here's the thing about Jesus. Out of everything that he could do as king, One of the things he desires most is to be the king of your heart. That's crazy. That doesn't even make sense to me. Out of all the duties and all the things and all the privileges and all the options that Jesus, this heavenly king, had, out of everything that he could have done in the scope of time and and being outside of time and eternity and never even being created, could have done anything, but he chose to be be the king of your heart. 1 Peter 2 says it like this. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Here it is. Listen to this verse. Are you you listening? He himself bore our sins in his body and on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Simply put, Scripture says, because of the wounds of Jesus Christ, we have been healed. Because our king died for us, we can be healed. Do you understand the gravity of that statement? Do you understand the epicness of what that means? It's incomprehensible that Jesus Christ, this this great king in heaven, looks around, angels worshiping Him, all of creation praising Him, everything that we know, time and space and matter and light, all working because He allows it to. This Jesus, the very embodiment of power, Jesus, the King, this King looks around heaven and is not satisfied. Does He need more power? No, He is ultimate power. Does He need more riches? What are riches to a God who owns everything? Does He need more glory in worship? He's got every living, creative thing worshiping and praising Him. This King of Heaven looks around and is not satisfied. Why? I'll tell you why. Because you're not there. Because He longs to be the King of your heart, And because of this great love that this King has, He gives up everything you get that right that when jesus christ came to this earth and was born of a virgin into poverty in a cave next to animals think about that moment for jesus by the way (laughs) think about just just think about that just like five seconds before and the five seconds after you ever think about that stuff like Jesus is like, all right guys, I'm on a mission, here we go. And and I just picture like all of creation, all of heaven, and angels like, hallelujah. You know, it's just this beautiful, amazing moment, and Jesus like warps down or you know, whatever. And and all of a sudden he's born into this earth and he looks around and there's a goat. <laughs> you go one if Jesus is like, oh man, this is gonna be a long 33 and a half years. Jesus, this great king, gives up everything to come for you. Everything for you. Wow. He came to save you. He came because he loves you. He came to lay his life down for you so that by his wounds you may be healed. I still don't think we get it. I still don't think we get the gravity Of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's hard for us to leave our homes. To go somewhere and serve people. Who are underprivileged. Right? Think about leaving heaven. To go and die for people. That will never even love you. That's what Jesus did. Jesus leaves. Paradise. To come to this earth. And lay his life down. And be beaten and killed by the people that he created. People that will never accept him. Because he loves them so much. This heavenly King, the Son of God, puts on mortal flesh and blood, puts on skin and bones, and walks in our shoes. I was talking with a friend this past week, and and he said, "You know, Travis, there's there's a lot of things that I have. I have money. I have you know some success. I got. I have a girlfriend. I got some friends." i got a lot of good people that surround me. But sometimes, you know, when I'm by myself, um, I look around and I feel like there's a void inside of me. You ever feel that way? And I looked at him and I said, you know, you were created to be with God. In fact, Jesus Christ, the King, is that peace that's missing from inside of you. You were created by the king for the king. Do you realize that? Jesus created you for himself. And so it's no wonder that we have so much unrest when we're apart from God. When we don't know this king, it's it's no wonder that we have so much unrest because it's only until we allow the king to take residence in our heart that our restless heart finds rest because it's only in knowing Jesus that we can find ultimate rest. How can we find it anywhere else? And and that's all that this is, is Jesus Christ living his life as, as, as a king who comes to earth and says, hey, follow me. I love you, I love you, God the Father sent me, and just as God the Father has sent me, so, so I'm sending you out to tell others about you, but, but listen to me, you've got to accept me as Christ, like, like, I tried to make it really good, I made a good deal for you, this is what Jesus says, I made, it, I made it really good, like, you don't have to get on, like, a payment plan to get salvation, you know, you don't have to, like, it's not like a lottery, you know, where only a couple people, you know what I mean, like, just accept me and follow me, it, it's free, it's free, I don't need any money, don't worry about it, it's, 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 it's free, it's Tithe at your local church. But I mean, besides that. <laughs> apart from that, I mean, it's free. And you say, well, why is it free? Because it's so expensive that you could have never paid for it. How could you pay? How could you pay for that? How could you ever pay for, for salvation? What payment could you make to the king of the universe who tells the earth how to rotate? And hey, Jesus, I, uh. Saved up some money. Got about 20 grand. Is that good enough? Yeah, yeah, hold on a second. got to tell the stars to align and the, and the horizon to you know, be here and the sun to move. You know, and I'll get with you and your money. Like, what is, is God interested in money? What kind of payment could you make for a king? What kind of payment is, is a big enough payment to, to accept a king's blood over your life? What I'm trying to say here is this. Is that we have been saved by royalty. That Jesus Christ... And they had a ransom for our lives. And it's free. Because it's so expensive, we could have never purchased it. And Jesus just rules and reigns from heaven and says, follow me. Follow me. I want to be the king of your life. I want to be the Lord of all. Follow me. And some of you to this day have not given your lives to Jesus. And I'm just saying, like, why? What is holding you back? We serve a good king. We serve a king who, who knows his creation. Thanks for listening to this recent sermon from our series, The King at Covenant Church. If you've made any type of decision today after listening to this message, we'd love to hear your story. Please take a moment to write us at at covenantchurchonline.com. and check back each week for more exciting and impactful sermon audio just like this.